Amen, 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 amen. Good evening, good evening, everyone. God bless you. Can we just uh, have a time of prayer? So, Father, we just thank you. Lord, we honor you. What a good God you are. What a faithful God you are. We thank you because you enjoy feeding us, feeding us. The Bible says, the Lord has set a table before me. Lord, thank you because like a good shepherd feed his children. The Lord will always feed us with his word. So Lord, we ask, Lord, you will feed us again. You will speak to us again. You will minister to us. Open our hearts, open our minds, enlighten us, O oh God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. All right, good evening. Thank you for coming, everyone. Uh, we have a good showing tonight in person. Amen. Praise God for that. Uh, all right. What did you say, Randy? Yes. Even... Yes. So if... Even Randy can testify that we have a good crowd. Amen. So, Randy, you're going to have to keep quiet, all right? And listen, all right? All right, so thank you, everyone, uh, for coming. For those joining us online, uh, God bless you. Can we share this? I think we need to get into the habit of sharing the good news. Even those of us here, if you can go on, the, on your YouTube, on your phone, Type, go on YouTube, type Agape House of Worship there. You will find this live stream, and you can easily just share it to any of your, you know, social media pages, you know, and, or text it to your friend, something like that. It's always very, very helpful, all right? Uh, we should join the company of people who share the good news. All right, so today we are going to study James chapter 1 from verse 1 through 18. Like we said last week, what do you do we compare the book of James to? You know, we said something last week about, you know, what do we, how did we describe the book of James? Anybody want to answer? All right, we have Brother V, who is going to be our usher for tonight. Maybe we need to designate an usher for every weekday, right? So that will help us. So we want to share how did we describe the book of James, all right? We compare it to um, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Um, so the Beatitudes and um, the Sermon on the Mount of Olive that Jesus gave. That's good. Thank you. Uh, that's one of them. There's another one. What did we compare the book of James to? Um, it's the Proverbs of the New Testament. Yes. Um, it's full of practical wisdom. Okay. Very wonderful, right? It is the proverb of the New Testament. Very practical, direct, uh, simple. Uh, we also call it, you know, like our sister said, the application of the Sermon on the Mount. So that makes it a very, very great book to study, very practical, very simple. But it addresses real-life issues. You know, it addresses real-life issues. So that's why we must break them into, you know, small components 
because even the small that we are doing now is really, is really, as I was preparing for this, I'm like, wow, I think this should be part, you know, the, you know there should be, this should be part one and two, really. It's actually quite difficult to study. It takes quite a bit, but the Lord will help us tonight in Jesus' name. All right, so let's start from the introduction tonight. Today we are talking about responding to suffering and trials, or we can just call it responding to trial and temptation, all right, basically. So trials, tests, temptations are subjects that are very difficult and confusing for many Christians. How many of us agree with that? You know, that's something that we all struggle with. A lot of people struggle with it. Why do we have to go through trial? What's the purpose of trial? Why is this person going through this? You know, and we have questions in our mind, either when we go through trials or when we see other people go through trials. So in this passage, James gives us some insightful perspective on these touchy subjects, right? He addresses the subtle but significant differences between trials and temptation. So it kind of really let us know we're going to try to talk about that today. As we go, I want someone to open James 1, 2 to 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, all right? Okay, so I'm going to ask uh, Fola, you're going to read that for us, all right? I'm going to get to you. I want you to open it. Then I want Michael to open to James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. So we're going to read those two passages because they, they are very important in the next part, all right? So he addresses the subtle differences between trials and temptations, their purposes, how we can distinguish between them, how to deal with them, and what should be our attitude towards each of them. I mean, that's a lot that he's doing there. I think if we get that out of tonight's study, uh, we will do well. Amen. So we will try to deal with this subject. So today, uh, so let's move on to trial versus temptation, right? Uh, so we're going to read these two passages, and I want you to read along, uh, because I'm going to ask us to really talk about this, all right? So... I want us to read James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, all right? So please open it and, uh, you know, open your spirit as she reads. Amen. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay. So there is using the word trials, right? He's saying consider joy when you go to trials. You know, it's the testing of your faith, right? And, you know, it produces what? Perseverance or patience. And if you allow that patience to work in you, you'll become perfect and complete. I mean, I try to kind of look like uh, candy, right? looks like uh, something we should be excited about. You're like, wow, <laughs> James must be some, some weird brother, right? I mean, just talking about trials like that. But I think that's what he's so talking about there. But let's read uh, 12 to 15. James chapter 1, verse 12 to 15, read, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has a 
when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say he is tempted. Let no one say he is tempted. I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he, draw him, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Okay, so let's stop there. Thank you very much. So, from this passage, and I'm hoping you read this yourself because we're supposed to have read this from home, right? So, what are the differences between trials? Because you notice that in verse 2 through 4, he's talking about trials, right? Then from verse 12, he started to use the word temptation. And he kind of, he addressed them differently. All right, so what is the difference between trials and temptation. All right, anybody wants to... This is not a trick question. We're all trying to learn here. Does anyone want to try? I see Cassandra really, really... All right. Oh, someone is raising their hand there. All right. Do you really want to talk? Oh... You're not ready to talk, all right? So we'll get back to you at the end of the lesson. All right, Sister Ify wants to talk. Um, I would say trial is a challenge or going through difficult times. And that temptation is when you allow your desire to lure you out of God's will. Okay. Trial is what? Going through difficulties. And temptation is when we allow your desire to lure you into. Okay. All right. So we have uh, uh, Brother Tunde. Tunde is going to. I think just to add to that, I think from trials, you can profit from. You know, when you, when you go through trials, there's a profit at the end of it. But temptation, there's definitely a loss you're going you're gonna to experience at the end of it all. So. But he also said if you overcome it, you'll get a crowned life, right? Didn't he say that? No, for temptation. So he said if you overcome temptation, right, you'll get a crown of life. Isn't that what he said? Can you read it? Can, okay, let's read, let's read verse 2. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to those who love him. So... Obviously, it's trying to say if you resist it, if you did not fall into it, right, there's a reward. But any other person, all right? So I'm wondering, is there um, differences, of, is there, um, differences, obviously, in um, what's it called now, um, translation? Mm. Because NIV says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say temptation there. In what? NIV, in verse 12. It okay. says, blessed well, is... about the... verse 13? Then it now goes to temptation in 13. So I'm thinking to his point, Bratton's point, that's why he's saying trial, there's a reward. Because trial is what is used in verse 12. Okay, I get what you're talking about. All right. That could be true. All right. I, okay. Um, I feel like trials are things that we may not necessarily have control over. Like, they happen. 
But in verse 14, in the NLT version, it says, temptation comes from our own desires. So it may be that we may be causing it or enticing it on our own. Yeah. That's so, so, so that's good. That's a very good one. So, so it looks like really, if you root, I mean, and we're not reading into it. We're reading what he said. You know, sometimes when we read the scripture, we read into the scripture. We already kind of think we know what he's talking about. And a lot of them, I think that's how we miss out of what God is saying. So he's saying here that obviously from what he said here, trials are hardship, right? They are not things that are easy. They are difficult circumstances that happen to us, all right? So that's what is missing. See, I put a, I put a space, a space in there. They happen to us. I mean, they're not something that we can control. Don't forget that we said that these people are going through trials. They were scattered everywhere, right? They were, you know, they were, you know, they were, they were persecuted. They ran out of their homes. They're all over the place. And those are the people he's writing to. So life must not be easy for them, right? They've lost their home. They've lost their, you know, some of them livelihood, some family separated. Look at the stress, strain, economic stress physical pain, danger, things they're going through, and he's telling them, you know, look, you know, ju- just, you know, just hold in there, right? He's just saying, uh, you know, just, 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 just you know, you, you, you should actually count it joy. I mean, it's something that, you know, when you go through some of these challenges, you actually should count it joy because they have a purpose. There's a purpose to challenges. There's a purpose for going through hardship in life, and, uh, and he's saying, look, even count it joy, uh, count it joy because, you know, they, they serve some purpose. But he switched to temptation, and he said temptations, they are a lure to sin or evil by our untamed lust. So the word missing there is untamed, all right, because he said, look, sometimes People can confuse both, and I think that's why he tried to balance that, because sometimes uh, people can go through problem because they yield to temptation. All right, you know, temptation are when we have temptation are not necessarily or external, and I think that's the difference. Let's read it again. Temptation are not necessarily just every, uh, not necessarily external. All right, come on, my screen is uh, is closing on me here. All right, so temptation are not external. Uh, let's let's read it. He said, uh, each verse fourteen, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire. So. Typically, a lot of time we are tempted because we have a weakness, all right? Maybe, maybe someone has a weakness, you know, towards women. Let's say it's a young man that has a weakness towards, you know, sexual desire. Or uh, you have a weakness towards uh, covetousness, right? I mean, you can see, you know, if you see somebody buy something you want to buy too, even when you can't afford it, Right? So now you can really fall into that. You know, that's because you haven't overcome that internally, right? The enemy sees that, 
and he lures you, right, by allowing you to see things. You know, maybe your, your weakness is gold or jewelry. You like to buy jewelry even when you're broke. And it's when you're broke or when you have your tight money to give, then on the way to church, somebody shows you, I just buy a nice jewelry that just came out, you know, and, it's, and they mention the amount is the exact same amount of the tight. And you're like, wow. Could it be God just wanting me to use my tight money to buy this? You know? So, so, so you see how that happened? It's not necessarily external. It's because you already have a weakness. So it's, good. it's very good to pay attention to our internal weakness. We all have it. All right? And he's saying we have to watch for it. All right. So let's look at seven lessons about trials. All right. Somebody has a question. All right, we have a question here. Maybe we need two microphones. It looks like, uh, but I, Avie, do you have an Apple Watch? I do. All right, so you're going to get a lot of uh, rings close today. <laughs> All right. Um, maybe it's a translation thing, but why in the Lord's Prayer does it say, lead us not into temptation? This verse seems to contradict that. Well, I think he's asking us to pray the, the Lord will help us not to be in a situation where we're going to be tempted. It's a good thing to pray. Temptations are not necessarily good. Uh, you know, you know temptations are when we are defensive. All right? If you, are, you know, if you play a game, any game, and you're defensive, and they, and they are in your, in your half for a long time, it would just take a mistake, right? <laughs> to just, you will fall. So it's better not to, if you can af- avoid being in a place where you are constant. Let's say you have a problem, you know, with uh, alcohol. You know, you used to, uh, you used to be somebody that was, you know, that was given to alcohol before your, you know, BC, before your Christ life, right? Now you're in Christ, you don't do it anymore. Uh, but now, you find a job beside a place where, <laughs> you know, there is a go-go bar or, a, you know, a joint. And everybody you work with after work, they go to the joint. I mean, how long can you resist it for? I mean, so if you're wise, you're probably going to start applying for job elsewhere, right? I mean, it will be wise for you to do so I think it's good to pray, God, don't, don't lead me to where I will be tempted. I mean, it's a prayer. In fact, the Lord actually said the Lord will not allow us to be tempted more than we can bear. So the Lord actually, one of his grace he gives to us, is one of his ways he protects us, is actually prevent us from falling into places where we are tempted more than we are able to. So, uh, but temptation itself is the enemy recognizing our weakness. He knows you're weak. And he sets you up, right, to be in places where something is going to lure something inside of you, then you can fall and get into trouble. Praise Jesus. All right, that's a very good question. Thank you for, I like when people ask those kind of questions. That means we are connecting the dots, right? Connecting the dots. So let's now see some of the uh, some of the uh, lessons about trials from James 1, 2 through 8, uh, which I'm going to have someone read to us. Now, there's one thing I'm going to say. 
The root word for trial and temptation in the Greek language, they are the same. That's what you're going to really, they are actually the same. All right? Because sometimes temptation is a form of trial. But we need to be able to separate both, right? The, the context is very different. You see, it's a form of trial that God does not, that we shouldn't be rejoicing over, right? You know, when things happen to us, we find ourselves in a loss of job. We find ourselves in very, very difficult situation, economic crisis. We find ourselves into a difficult thing. We have a difficult boss. We have a, you know, we, are, we find ourselves in these challenges of life, you know, that just happened to us. As a believer, he's saying we should believe, we should actually rejoice in them, right? In some weird ways, you know, not to rejoice that we have them, but we should rejoice because these things have a purpose. They make us strong, all right? They actually make us mature. You can never really mature. This is, how, this is the picture that he gives to us. It's like if you really want to, you know, like, it's like workout. You can't work out unless you exert yourself, right? You can't be your best in anything as an athlete, as a football player, soccer player, you know. The, the good ones really exert themselves, right, close to the limit a bit, constantly. It, it, it's not an easy thing. That's why everybody doesn't do it, right, you know. But it is that exertion that brings out the best in us, that makes us mature. So, yeah, there are certain things God brings into our lives. We go through losses. We go through challenges. We, were, we are hurt, betrayed by people. All these things happen to us. If they don't happen to us, we cannot truly be mature as believers. You know, so he said you should count it all joy. Uh, but we should also be able to discern and separate that from pure layer to sin as a result of untamed lust that we have. So I need someone who is going to read uh, that passage, James 1 through to 8, actually. Right. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Wow. That's a lot of stuff that he said there. That's a lot. We're going to cover them. But before we go, let me go back to, I'm going to go to our YouTube channel. All right? I'm going to go to our YouTube channel. We have quite a good, we have some good comments uh, answering the question. Temptation is when the devil uses our desires to try to uh us away from God's will. That's good. Try us when we go through difficult times. So that's actually good. Uh, trials are independent of our desire. That's very good. Uh, Pastor Tunde Odeyemi says, uh, temptation comes via the devil and our flesh. So there's a connection there. Trials can come from God or people. Trials just happen to us because life is hard, right? 
Uh, that's just what we, we can put it. You know, somebody can just decide to hate me and persecute me. You know, my boss can just decide to be whatever and just be very mean and put me through, you know, get me fired. People can lie to you. Look at what happened to Joseph, Joseph right? People can just lie to you, take you through. But, he's, look, but look at what happened to Joseph. Joseph, you know, the trial that he faced did not stop him from fulfilling his purpose. In fact, they actually played a part in leading him to his purpose and vision in his life. That is the life of a believer who learn how to deal with trial correctly. Joseph is one person that, that actually demonstrated that to us. All right. So let's look at some of the lessons here. I have a bunch of them. If you have any other one, we can go through them. Number one, in life, we will all fall into various trials, right? Isn't that what he says? He said, when you fall into, he didn't even say if you fall into, he said when you fall into, and look at the word he says, fall into. It just means like it just happened to you. you. You're not, you know, inviting trouble. You're not the one that went, you know, just go and slap somebody in the parking lot, all right? Then they beat you up. You can't come and say, I'm just facing trials. <laughs> you know, you know, no. I mean, it's not, you don't go and invite trials, right? You don't cause trouble. You know, you don't, you don't cheat at work, then you get fired, and you call it trials, all right? You don't do those things, you know, so... But they fall. They happen to us, even the best of us. And that's why believers sometimes get confused. They're like, why is this happening to me? You know, no, we shouldn't really have that kind of mindset. Don't say, why? Why did I have to get fired? Oh, why did I have to be the one to do this? Why did this happen to me? Why do I go? Why do... No, 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 no. You will fall into. It's a question of time. If you're not in trial now, it's just not your time. All right? So there's a reason why, there's a way many of us feel like when, I, when we're going through tough time, it's only me, it's not only you. Everyone we go through, try, all right? Which is hardship and difficulties. Number two, we are to welcome trials with joy. That's very difficult to do. But I'm going to have us read, I'm going to have someone, uh, our next reader, I'm going to have Carol read Romans, three, no, Romans 5, 3 to 5. And I'm going to ask, uh, what's your name? Uh, Favor. God bless you. Can you read Philippians 4.4? 4? All right. And I'm going to have, uh, yeah, so we're going to do that. I'm going to, you know, so if, uh, that's when the phone doesn't work, when you're supposed to. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Romans 5, 3, 2, 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hallelujah. So he said we glory or we rejoice through trials because we know, right? You know, trials have a good purpose. So this is not only James saying this. This has been said by others. So can you read Philippians 4? 4, 4? Um, it says, be cheerful with joy, celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow. Okay, so in every season of life. So there's a way the Bible is saying, and it's difficult to do. I don't, I don't think we should deny that, right? But 
it is possible to do. Otherwise, God will not ask us to do what he has not given us the grace to do. All right? That even in difficult situations, we can find joy. I mean, it's not that we can rejoice that that is happening, but we can rejoice that we know that God is working things out for my good. You know, there's a purpose to this. There's a way as a believer, I can look at this scripture and look at my life and say, you know what? There's a purpose behind my trials. All right? So he said, welcome them with joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I mean, that's, whew. All right? That's amazing. That's another lesson we learned from there. There are seven lessons I, I see in here. Number three, trials are testing of our faith. He said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So he's saying that he's equating trial to testing of our faith. What does test do in life? Okay. It tests uh, knowledge. Okay. Test knowledge. Any other thing? Right? I have another person. Okay. So, all right. The mic isn't working. All right. Oh, right. Test takes you to the next level, right? You remember the test you take is how you get promoted, right? I know nowadays some people don't want to do tests anymore. Everybody just get promoted. And what happened? You know, people don't learn nothing, right? They graduate. You know, so you remember no child left behind? Everybody get left behind. <laughs> so, that, so you got to test. Test lets you know where you are. All right? In fact, you know the best test is practice test. That's the best test. Because that's the least costly test. That's why the Bible says we should even examine ourselves. Right? Because the worst test is the retest. The worst, the worst test to fail is the retest. The best test to fail is the one we set, we set for ourselves. Right? The best, the best time to be examined is when it's too late to correct it. That's why the Bible says we should examine ourselves whether we are still in faith. You don't want to find out when you are the judgment throne. <laughs> because if you, if you fail, there's no recourse. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? So as believers, we must have what is called self-examination. All right? Uh, either through people, the Holy Spirit examines us. Right? In fact, one of the purposes of Holy Communion is allows us to do self-examination. All right? It brings our mind focus. Right? As believers, we should practice self-examination regularly uh, because we are saying, God, examine me. Holy Spirit, please search my heart. If there's anything that is not going, just reveal it to me. Look, if you pray that prayer, God is going to answer it. But if you don't care, you, know, you don't want to go into any of these exams without having done any practice exam. You know how dangerous that is? If you've ever taken any, any anybody has taken like a, professional exam. I mean, you think you studied so hard, you think you spent all this thing, then you say, let me do a practice test, and you fail. And you realize that, you know, I've not really retained many of these things. But, you know, you, you practice more. You see areas, then you do. Then you get very good, 
then hopefully you pass the exam when you are there. Praise Jesus. I think that's very important. So trials are like that. When we face those challenges, it is like God trying to reveal to us where we are. That's why it says we should count it all joy. Because God, some, in fact, a lot of time, God is ready to promote you. Praise the name of Jesus. All right. Number four, the testing of your faith produces patience or perseverance. I want someone, you read Romans 5.3. I mean, can you read it again? Or someone has it open who can read it again for us. Romans 5.3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Okay. Per- yeah. Okay, yeah. Thank you. He said, we rejoice or glory in trials or suffering because we know it produces perseverance or patience. So, testing of our faith produces patience perseverance. I mean, we're going to ask that. Why is perseverance that important? Because the next verse now says something even much, much more powerful, right? It now says, let patience or perseverance have its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. I think that's even so powerful that Perseverance, patience, is, is a tool in the hand of God to get us to a place of spiritual maturity. Why do you think so? Anyone want to, why, why do you think so? Where, why is patience or perseverance so important in the life of a believer? Pressing that right now and how it brings us to Christian maturity, completion. Yeah. The way I think about it is when you're not patient and you want to rush things, they do, they're not in God's timing. So therefore, they're, not, they're going to be incomplete. And quickly, I, for some reason, I thought about baking. I don't know why. It's like when you're baking something, it has a time frame for it to com- be baked in, com- in completion. If you want to rush the process, you're not going to have... The, the results that you need. So that's the way I relate it. It's the fact that in the trials, I feel that we need to be patient as in God's timing to know, okay, this is a trial. I have to be patient. Let it continue in prayer. Let it happen because it's producing in me what God wants his purpose in me to completion. Okay. That's good. So he's saying that without trial, we can learn patience. Without patience, we can be spiritually mature. We cannot be perfect. We cannot be everything that God wants us to be. That's something we all need to meditate about. I think that's something we can go to a retreat for three days and be thinking about because that makes it so fundamental to God's plan in our life. Anybody want to say something? I think Maya has something to say. I'm going to give you, yeah, three people have something to say. I'm going to come to you. So, so Maya. Brother Coyote, this mic is uh, epilep- epileptic. <laughs> it's testing our patience. I think the 
practice test, I think there's a couple things that come along with it, right? One is you get a sort of a barometer of what you're able to handle with your faith. Um, and when something like that comes along later on, you have this sort of patience where you don't have to react frantically in those situations. Um, the Bible says he prepares the table before him and plays the man. And I think a lot of times we forget that calmness in the, in the in a battle in and of itself is fighting and resting in the Lord in and of itself is a weapon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, uh, Sister Twain. I understand that uh, prayer is something that we cannot have, uh, we have to go through in life. Mm -hmm. But if somebody is going through trial, you're able to overcome, you are relaxing, you are happy, another one comes, another one comes. Is it okay to start praying that, God, I've had enough in this life? <laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to say, God, I think I've had my share. Now, it's up to God to listen. I mean, we can't control that, but I think I can go to God. Even Jesus prayed that. God didn't answer it, but at least it's not a crime to... It's not a crime to pray that, God, please let this cup pass over me, right? But you see, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah, it's okay to pray that, God, I think I've learned the lesson. You know, I think sometimes we probably go through that trial. Maybe we didn't learn the lesson, and we are repeating the class. Sometimes it could be. Uh, sometimes it's actually because God is not done yet, all right? The most... You see, the most malleable metal are the ones that went through the most trials, all right? They are very pliable, and they are the most useful. Uh, so sometimes it's a function of what God is preparing for us, all right? But I think ultimately he's saying that the way God teaches us patience, and I think patience is synonymous to faith, all right? Now, when we have patience as a fruit of the Spirit, I think really only People of faith can have patience. Faith and, faith and patience are really synonymous because you cannot deal with God without being patient. And patience is actually the faith. That is, you wait on God. You allow God to do it its way, to have his way, to do it in his time. Patience is really being able to wait on God without throwing tantrums. Right? We all can wait on God, but we throw tantrums all the way. Like we are complaining, we are angry, we are unhappy, we are grumpy. Right? You know, so I think being able to really say, look, God, have your way. Let it be your time. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worship you through this. That is the definition of faith. Isn't that what Abraham did? If you think about it. Isn't that, why is Abraham the father of faith? God made him to wait, all right? God gave him a promise, and God said, you are going to wait. Now, Abraham didn't start as the father of faith. He waited a little bit, and he said, I can't wait anymore, right? You know, he, you know his wife suggested something that he already wanted to do, and he jumped at it, right? He can blame his wife. He said, oh, she suggested it, but I think he wanted to do it. He's been thinking of doing it. 
And the wife just said, well, I think maybe you should do it. But at some point, I think Abraham developed to a place where he's able to say, God, have your way. And at that point, God now really kicked in. So I believe that all of us, you know, we have one of our greatest undoing in our work with God is lack of patience. How many of us have patience problems? Maybe some people have lying problems. <laughs> you know, I think most of us have problems with waiting. I mean, the most difficult thing to do is waiting. All right? Waiting on a red light, waiting at the doctor's office, waiting, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. Waiting is hard. Waiting sometimes takes more work. We rather prefer to be moving, right? So, and sometimes when you're working with God, you have to be so full of faith that you can recognize that God, sometimes waiting, is actually moving in the spirit. Hallelujah. So, and he said, let patience, what, when patience is allowed to finish his work, he brings us to Christian maturity. Trials reveal our lack of wisdom. That's another thing that he tells us here. Because he connected wisdom with trials. Did you see that? He now said, because he's talking about, Bible is in context. Let patience have his perfect word so you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, all right? If you lack wisdom to deal with challenges, all right, that you're going through, let him ask God. So in a way, trials reveal our lack of wisdom. We know that we lack wisdom. If you lack wisdom, you know, so... Try us, reveal our lack of wisdom, and provide us with opportunity to receive wisdom from God. So in some ways, we should really rejoice in trial because it, it, it leads us into God's wisdom. It makes us desperate enough to ask God for wisdom. And in the process, it builds our faith and helps us to be strong and stable. So try us a place in our walk with God. So those are seven lessons. Any other lesson from trial? Any other lesson from this passage? All right, Sister Ify is raising her hand right here. Sister Ify, you are raising it like a half, <laughs> halfway. All right. Um, just like we said, um, Trials help, helps us to trust God. Mm. And uh, when we trust God and that season is over, it gives us confidence for future. So in future, when something like that comes again, we know that God saw us through the previous one and he will still see us through the next one. So it gives us confidence. Wow. Okay. All right. My sister, God bless I think also another lesson is we should not allow trial to lead us to temptation because it can. Uh, instead, we should count our trials as joy, and temptation is not joy. Okay. So it should let us lead the other way. Yeah, so they are connected somehow because, yes, in the process of our trial, the enemy can bring temptation, knowing that that could be a weak time our weak time. That could be a time when we are complaining, we are grumpy, you know, and it will come for our weakness at that time because, you know, we are not 
You know, sometimes when people go through trial, they actually withdraw from fellowship, right? They, they are not happy, they are not, they are grumpy. So that means you're, they are not full of the Spirit because you can be angry and grumpy and be full of the Spirit at the same time. Those things, things don't go together. And when you're not full of the Spirit, you know, the enemy already knows your weakness. So guess what? That's when he's coming for it. Okay, I will do one more. Oh, Sister Epsiba has something to say. All right, let's do uh, uh, Brother Fala first. No, Brother Michael, sorry. That's the one to rename me. Um, Sometimes you become one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think um, one of the things I also wanted to point out, like, um, was that uh, what you talked about tries to reveal a lack of wisdom. I also think temptations kind of reveal a lack of wisdom because... And, and, and I say this because I, I was sharing this with my wife during devotion. I remember there was sometimes I, when I was going through a certain like, period in my life, there was a certain temptation that I kept praying, like, God, I don't want to be tempted by this thing. I don't want to be And, like, after a, a period of time when I really matured in Christ, I just realized that I was praying for the wrong thing. Like, I was stronger than what I thought was, felt like a, like a, like a, like a hurdle that I couldn't jump over. But all I needed to do was trust God. I just walked through it. So, like, when I was, like, in retrospective, I was just like, man, I was really playing, like, the wrong prayer. Like, I was so foolish asking God when I already had the power. Like, he must have been there just, like, banging his hands. Like, you have the power. Like, just go and do it. Like, don't, don't think it has power over you. So, I think also even temptation in itself kind of reveals a lack of wisdom. Because you're just like, why am I scared of this thing? It has no power over me. Amen. All right, so we're going to move on because of time. We have like maybe 15, 20 minutes and we have to close. So somebody wants to help us with uh, James 1, 12 to 18. He's already on the screen. Just raise up your hand. That could be a good time for you to say something. All right. All right, so. James 1, 12 to 18 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow or of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. That's amazing. So he gives us another really, so he went into this part because he's really, he wants us to give us a lot more information about temptation. So what do we learn? What are the seven lessons? I came up with seven lessons here about temptation. All right. Number one, overcoming temptation brings heavenly reward. In fact, I want someone to open to Revelation 2.10. Revelation 2.10. Uh, you see that the crown of life is also mentioned in Revelation 2.10. So who is going to read Revelation 2.10? So I have Rosling. I have Kobe. Kobe hasn't said anything today. So that will be his chance. Revelation 2.10. Okay. 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 Revelation 2.10.
Philippian 2.10 reads, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some, to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. All right. So you see the crown of life is used there. So James knows what he's talking about. James is not just using words. There, is, there are many crowns in the Bible. One of them is the crown of life. And crown of life is specifically for when we overcome generally trials and temptation. You know, you know, when we, when we overcome that. So when we resist temptation and overcome, we get a crown of life. May we all have crowns of life in Jesus' name. So he's saying overcoming temptation brings reward. He said, and when do we receive crown of life? We receive the crown of life at the, in paradise, at the judgment seat of Christ. All right? At Bema, the judgment seat of Christ, where every believer we receive judgment of reward, all right? We're going to be rewarded and offer an awarded crown, all right? That's important. So that's something we learned there, and I think that's very important. Number two, we must learn to discern and distinguish between trials and temptation because don't forget that he's writing to people who are going through hardship. There are certain times when we go through hardship that we justify temptation. You know that that happens a lot. That when we go through hardship, we tend to justify, we tend to give ourselves permission to sin. Because life is just hard. You know, things have been rough. You know, so there's protests going on. I can just go into the store and steal. You see those protests that happen, you know, during those riots. People just seize the opportunity. Oh, we're suffering. We're being this. We're, you know, we're being discriminated again. Then we just go and do things. We cannot do that personally in our lives that when we go through difficult things, we tend to give our, ourselves permission to really sin or to yield to temptation. And we kind of think it's okay because, you know, I'm suffering. Life is hard. So I can just, you know, I need to have some chill time. Let me go gamble a little bit and just, or let me go do something, you know, just to make myself, you know, because life has been tough. Even God knows I'm going through. So as believers, we must not yield to that. I think that's why James wrote this. If you look at the background, he's writing to people who are going through tough time, but he needed to tell them, don't confuse tough time with temptation. All right? And number three, temptations are evil and ends not from God. All right, temptations are evil. They are not from God. Temptations are not God trying to help us to become better. They are not. Temptations are simply enticement to sin. And what does, uh, does, I believe is uh, the proverb. He said, my son, when sinners entice you. What does he say? Consent thou not. Do not consent. Don't agree. All right? So, temptation is enticement to sin, to disobey God. Enticement to do things that does not please God. They come. 
And he says we should be very careful because they are not trials. They are temptation. They are evil. And they are not from God. I mean, look at what he said. He said, God, he said, don't let anyone say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. You know? No, don't say that. Don't justify your, you know. I remember I was talking to a sister one time. She, had, she has anger problem. You know, she, she has this serious anger outburst. She would do, you know, bad things. She would attack people, you know, when she's angry, you know. And I was trying to, you know, and it was trying, she was trying to justify. And she said, you know, even sometimes God can use my anger. <laughs> Spiritual people. <laughs> and I said, sis, God doesn't need your anger. <laughs> God does not need your anger. You know, you go and work on your anger. Don't, God does not need you going around attacking people, slapping people, and all these crazy things. You know, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. A believer should not be finding that kind of, you know, kind of thing. So, so we must not justify our bad behavior uh, saying it's from God. He said, don't say I'm being tempted by God. Because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God does not lure anyone to sin. He will not be a just God anymore. But each one of us is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire and enticed. So temptations are a product of our own fleshly desires. That's the next lesson there, number four. Temptations are a product of our fleshly desire. It's because we already have desire. We already have pride. We already have lust. We already have uh, covetousness. We already have, you know, all these things, right, in us, uh, especially when we don't walk in them, when we don't walk on them. I was thinking about this the last time as I was thinking, uh, looking at this. Sometimes small things that we don't work on. In the physical, look at Abraham. Ab- Abraham slept with Hagar. But Agar was, in, Agar was in Abraham's house as a very small girl that just grew and grew, and that's the person that he, he messed up with and caused all kinds of headache. So sometimes they start small. Sometimes our weaknesses can be very small, simple things that we must deal with. We must deal with them and not just allow them to, to, to the enemy to take advantage of it. Hallelujah. So temptation gives back to a, a, a life of sin. All right? Or leap to sin, rather. Number six, sin gives birth to death. So temptation fully realized and played out leads to death. Death means separation from God. The goal of temptation is to separate us from God is to weaken us, is to mess us up, mess up our conscience, right, as believers. You know, when we are tempted and we fall, one of the things that happen is we, you know, the enemy now uses the guilt to destroy us, right? The enemy now uses that, and that's how we go on and on and on. So we must be very, 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 very careful. We must beware of the devil's deception. Those are lessons from there. All right. 
And I have uh, something in here that talks about, I think we've talked about it, we're going to skip it because of time, obtaining wisdom from God. I think we've already said, you know, trials even makes us wiser, makes us know when we need to be wise. So in this passage, James addresses the issue of wisdom in dealing with life's trial. He brings us the fact that apart from perseverance and faith, believers need wisdom from God or wisdom of God when facing difficulties. So when facing difficulties, we already know that we need patience, right, or perseverance. We already know that we need faith. But he's also saying that we need wisdom because those three things must be combined. Most people don't really see wisdom as a necessary tool to go through trials. All right? We don't. So we need to pray for wisdom. If David was not a wise person, he would have failed his test. David was wise. So David knew when to be in Saul's palace, but he also knew when to run. That's wisdom. He would have died. I mean, the day Saul uh, Saul tried to kill him, right? He knew that, you know what? I cannot just be a gentleman and be this humble man, this patient man, and allow my head to be chopped off, right? So he knew and he ran. He ran away. That's wisdom of God. You know, that's wisdom of God. So he knew when to run. He knew when to fight. In fact, David was so wise that he would say, God, should I attack? God would say, attack. And he said, no, should I attack? God would say, don't attack. In different instances, when you read the life of David, he had patience, he had faith, but he had a lot of wisdom. So when we go through challenges in life, we should always ask God to give us wisdom. Praise the name of Jesus. I think that's really a powerful lesson from here. You see? Knowing that his audience are people dislocated who might be facing different kinds of economic, family, and physical challenges, James encourages them to ask God for wisdom to deal with various trials in a godly way. He also seizes the opportunity to teach them about faith, which is the key to receiving anything from God. Now, when we go through trials in life, the enemy is waiting for us to make mistakes. You know, that's sometimes the purpose of trial. You know, and that's what the enemy is waiting on. You know, let's say you are being, you are being persecuted by a boss at work. You see, they're putting pressure, criticizing, waiting for you to say something stupid, right? Or to do something stupid, to wake up and just break the computer one day, right? You know, it's happened before. I mean, I have counseled so many people, and one of the things I realize is a pattern. Many, many people, that maybe you have a spouse or somebody that frustrates you, frustrates you, you're frustrated, you're frustrated. Then one day you just get very frustrated. You take, you know, the TV and break it. So guess what we're going to be talking about for the next one year? How you broke. And people hear that, they're like, (sighs) you see, now you lose your, Ability to even be able to present your side of case, right? You see how it happened? Then you are frustrated more because sometimes that's what happened to us in life. The enemy tried to put this trial in us, waiting for us to make a very big mistake, and he's going to celebrate and publicize all the mistakes. Then 
you lose. Yeah, that's why we must always pray for wisdom, even when we are going through trials. Sometimes you keep quiet. Sometimes you don't say anything. Sometimes you just ask God to fight for you. Sometimes you remove yourself from that situation. Right? You know, sometimes. Look at David. Saul persecuted him so much. And look at what happened. And the enemy kind of arranged it. So Saul was sleeping. And he just walked there. And his servant said, Today, the Lord has delivered your enemy right into your hands. Who could have done this except God? Now, but David is a very wise man. He said, how can I kill the Lord's anointed, right? That's not my job. Saul is anointed by God. It's going to be God that will really deal with Saul. I'm going to protect myself, but I'm not going to be the one to kill the Lord's anointed. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. Otherwise, David would have been drawn into a very costly mistake, and David would not be justified because of his trials. Did you see how this thing is connected? Because sometimes we think it is because of his trial, God should just at least allow him to do it. God should just not blame him. No, David knew that that's not how God operates. So we must, that's why we must pray for wisdom when we go through trials. Hallelujah. Are we learning something? All right, let's see if there's anything online. Wow. Somebody said coping. Oh, Mrs. Idaosa says, Coping with trial takes so much grace from God, yes. No one is above temptation because we all have weaknesses. That is true. We all have weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. So the enemy is always trying to test us in the area he knows we are already weak. All right. Thank you. Let's see if there's anything on Facebook. Uh, We have a lot of amen on Facebook. Simone says, look in the mirror, examine yourself and your heart. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right, so we're going to try to wrap up. I think we are out of time. But uh, the last part is James 1, 9 through 11. It's a little bit of a segue, but I think it's also important. It came after the the trial part, I mean the, the temptation part and trial part. He now said, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also we fade away in pursuit. So, summer is a little bit of, you know, you, you might even miss this, but I think James, by the help of the Holy Spirit, wanted to really just say, trials, they are like levelers in life. You see, trials affect the rich and the poor. And he's trying to, so obviously, he knew that he's dealing with different classes of people. So some of the audience and in the society he was writing, classism was a big, big thing. All right? In that society. 
there were there was you know people are people are either rich poor people are either slave you know or slave you know or master you know so he knows that he's dealing with people who have different classes and so he's trying to say look the lowly brother should glory in exhortation he's saying we, we all go through trials and he's trying to address this aspect he thinks it's important and i think he put it in there so he said that's why i put it here trials of life are levelers they affect both the rich and the poor the poor will be tef- tested in their poverty and the rich will be tested in their wealth they both need faith and wisdom to face the test. All right? The poor will be challenged to endure trials that come from having very little. Right? If you have very little, for example, you're going to be tried by that. All right? You know, the enemy is going to bring challenges. He's going to try to let you feel bad, let you feel like you are nobody, let you feel like, you know, this is this. And he's saying you should remember that in Christ you are rich. So if you are going to, if you are, go, if you are lowly, if you are in a lowly place, you should always remember that, you know, in Christ Jesus, you are being exalted. You are not nobody. And that, I think that's very powerful. But he's saying that if you are rich, the rich will be challenged with trials that money cannot fix. They should humble themselves. If you are rich, you know, your trials will come from your wealth. The enemy is going to use your wealth sometimes to deceive you, to cause you to be arrogant, to cause you to think you don't need God. And he said, you need to really focus on the fact that you must be humble, right? You should hum- they should humble themselves before God and not put tr- I mean, trust in their riches. So, you know, James tried to really address these very, very subtle differences to say, our trials in life kind of can be a function of where we are in life. And they are equally really, really something we should take seriously. Uh, amen. All right. Any questions or any comments before we close tonight? All right. We have one. We have two. So let's try to address them and we can close. This reminds me of the verse, um, whether I abase or abound, I will be complete in the Lord. I can't hear you. Can you, is, is it you or the mic? <laughs> Might be me. I'm quiet. Okay. <laughs> is that better? All right. Okay. So it reminds me of the verse, whether I abase or I abound, I am complete in the Lord. So this is what it's saying, whether I'm rich or I'm poor, I'm still whole and complete when I'm have patience through my trials. Yes, yes, yes. That's, uh, that's uh, Paul that says that, and I believe that's in the Philippians 4. Yeah, Philippians 4, you know, verse 12 somewhere, he talks about that. Whether I have much, whether I've learned to really be happy in any place I find myself, right? Whether I have a lot, whether I don't have a lot, you know, I, I just, I've learned to just be content. So I think that's powerful. All right. We have a favor, right? All right. So in this context, it's, it's just coming to mind Matthew 4, where it was talking about um, Jesus being tempted by the devil. Mm-hmm. So in this context, we're saying like we're lured by our desires, right? So it's 
um, are we, can it be said that, oh, Jesus was, you know, he had desires, right? In this context, in this, like. That's a very, very, very brilliant question. You are very dangerous. <laughs> brilliant uh, person. Well, it is true that Jesus had desire, even though Jesus' desire is not as a result of sinful nature. All right? But naturally, so look at temptation of the devil. Jesus was hungry. That's a fleshly desire. That's a natural desire that he had. Now, it's not as a result of a sinful nature, but it's just a natural desire, right? So the devil comes to say, Tom, you know, uh, this thing to bread and eat it, right? So, 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 you know, so he didn't come out of nowhere. The second thing is uh, he told him to jump out of the pinnacle of the temple. Now, Jesus had power. Uh, there could be temptation that could be said to just prove to people that I'm powerful, right? He said, after all, he said he will, he will send his angels, right? You know, you know, that one is about pride of life. It's about Jesus fleshly showing that he's powerful. So the, the enemy knows what he does. And look at the last thing. He said, I want you to look at this. He took him to the, to the, uh, to the mountain and he said, look at all these riches. If you bow to me, I will give everything to you, right? Now, God was going to give Jesus everything. I mean, that's God's promise to Jesus, right? Everything will be, all authority in heaven and earth, you know, shall be given to him, right? Because Jesus went to the cross, because Jesus did all these things, what did the Bible says? God exalted him and gave him a name that is above all names, that are the name of Jesus. So, the enemy is trying to truncate that by offering him something inferior. And sometimes that's how we have to look at temptation too. You know, temptation are the devil offering us something inferior, you know, that can lead us to death, all right, in place of what God has for us in future. Did you see that? So, so yes. The enemy is calculating what Jesus really should be looking at, what God has promised him, what he's looking at, and he's trying to, you know. So Jesus tempted like we are being tempted, you know, and God has to allow him to go through temptation so that we see how to deal with temptation. The difference is Jesus did not have sinful nature, all right? We have sinful nature. So, you know, at least... It's, it will be a lot harder for us, but uh, God, 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 God is uh, God gives us grace and the Holy Spirit. But that's a very powerful question. That's a very, very deep question. All right, we're going to close. We're going to continue next week. We're going next week. We're going to read what part? We're going to read James chapter one. We're going to read from nine, nine, 19 rather to twenty-seven, and we're going to be looking at. What James has to say about listening, about doing, and about speaking. I mean, I think it's very, very interesting. So I want all of us to read this. Let's read this passage. Meditate on it. You can use it as part of your quiet time in the course of the week. And just allow the Holy Spirit to listen to us. So we all, by the time we go through this, we can really, really be very versed. Before I close, anybody, is there a verse that you like the most in this passage? 
Rosalyn, what's your verse? Can we give her the mic? Sorry. I will ask a few people. Oh, we're ready? Oh, my God. All right, just, just speak. Verse 6 and 7. So, anybody? And I want you to pick a verse here and memorize it, if you don't know it before. So you can, you know, that's how to actually learn. Is there a verse? What's your favorite verse as you read this play? Any other? I'll, I'll ask maybe two, three more people. Many steps, but I forgot you the last time. Sorry about that. Hello, verse four. It says, let the shame have its perfect work. Wow. I think we all need to frame that verse and put it in our room so we look at it every day. So when you want to sleep, you say, let patience have its perfect work, right? So we can be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Any other person want to see? What's your favorite verse here as we read this? All right? Sister Tony has one to tell us her favorite verse. Wisdom, mm-hmm. let them ask. All right. What verse is that? Anybody want to pick it out? That's five. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. So can you commit to memorize that? Yeah. So just put that in a sheet of paper or something, write it down, put it, and read it every day between now and say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to everyone without finding fault, right? But let him ask in faith, you know, nothing wavering. Uh, because anyone that wavers is like a, 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 a seed, you know, that is tossed to and fro. So I think it's good to take a verse or two. James actually has a lot of verses, you know, that are really, really, really very, very, very good. I love uh, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of light, with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. I love that. I just love it. It's poetic. It sounds good. It's powerful. It's true. Every good and perfect gift is from above. All right, so there are a lot of verses here that we can memorize, and James is particularly a book that has, I, I think I said it last week, last week, if James were to leave today, it would be a sensation on Twitter, because it's just, those things are just one line, you put it there, people are like, wow. All right, God bless you. Let's do our offering, and we close uh, all the means of giving out on the